Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, our team preview series concludes right here, right now. We've, we've completed 13 of 14. This is the last one. We've got to talk about once and for all our UNC Tar Heels. We had a guest lined up, and then in classic Basketball Conference podcast tradition, technology has failed us once more. And as such, it is just you and I. We're going to see how this goes. Are you ready to talk some North Carolina football? As ready as one can be for round two of the Mac Brown era. Which, yeah, that's, that's putting it in a certain way. So buckle your seatbelts here. It's going to be just me and Mike. We we had someone lined up, and again, at, you know, timing and technology and such has failed us. So we're going to do our best here. We're going to give you what we've got. Sup, Jeff? Um, <laughs> shout out. By the way, but and in, in before we move on, and... It is, yeah, we should mention it was Jeff Greenberg we were going to bring on, and I don't bring on I don't bring up his name to shame him, you know, for anything. It's he's on vacation, he's dealing with family and such. It's it's never an easy spot for him to begin with, but um, technology has given him some hard hard times tonight. What I do want to bring up is that it was none other than Mr. Jeff Greenberg who represented our podcast from the ACC kickoff here a few weeks ago. So all the action that you saw on Twitter, all the interviews that, that we had, all the pictures and such, everything, that was all the doing of Mr. Jeff Greenberg. So regardless of how this whole UNC preview is turning out, man, he was a damn trooper and he was a godsend. And we really, really appreciate everything that he did for us up there. So Jeff, if you're listening to this and you better be listening to this, thank you so much for, for what you did. You, you really did a huge service up there. He's our boy. He's a legend. We'll have him back on. And Joey, I brought this up last year, but I traveled down to Chapel Hill for a North Carolina game and Jeff hooked me up with field passes. And that was dope. Gosh, Um, that was real dope coming from out of town, trying to figure out where I was sitting in that stadium and where I was going to be. He said, ah, just come on down to the field. I'm at the 40. Oh, okay, No problem. Um, Damn, shout out Jeff Greenberg. So it's not the first time he's hooked a brother up. So Jeff's a real good dude. We'll have him on soon. And he is uh, the foremost authority on North Carolina football. But in his absence, we'll try to do the best we can to uh, get this thing rolling, Joey. It's uh, a new era for North Carolina football, but it's the return of Mac Brown. So let's see where we go from here. It sure is, um, and and for those looking for Jeff on Twitter, uh, he's at Jeff G Berg, um, J E F F G B E R G, all one word on Twitter. Go find him. Uh, primarily covering UNC, but a lot, a lot of other good stuff about the ACC and college football and golf and Lord knows what else. So uh, Jeff is a great dude. We we love having him associated with this podcast. We again, once again, really, really appreciative of what he did at ACC Media Days. Um, but without further ado, Mike, we got to talk about the Tar Heels. Yep. And as you mentioned, uh, this is year one of the Mac Brown era again. Yep. Uh, Mac Brown, former UNC head coach, uh, was hired again to replace Larry Fedora in the offseason. We had talked a little bit about Larry Fedora being on the, the hot seat, and things had not really gone great at all the last two years after they won the ACC Coastal in 2016. If no, 15, 15, 15, Virginia tech had it in 16. And then, yeah, they were like three and nine the last two years each. Um, Larry Fedora was probably not on as hot of a seat as we realized, which is a weird thing to say after the guy got fired. But realistically, what sounds like happened was he was fired in large part because UNC was able to pull together the booster support to get rid of him because there was also the discussion of rehiring Mac Brown. There were a lot of boosters that are super, super jazzed up that Mac Brown is back in charge of the Tar Heels program. It's, it's an interesting time for that, Mike, because Mac Brown has not been a head coach at the college level since 2013. And the last time that he was the head coach at UNC was like, what, 2001? Or something like that. I mean, it's been close to two decades. Yep. Not since the Bush administration. Basically, no. Yeah. Uh, and what was that? Like early, I guess early Bush too. We might be able to say even like late Clinton administration for what that's worth. Um, we were young. <laughs> we, we were young. Before, before the age of podcasting. I mean, we're going way back. That's for sure. Yeah. That was... I, I'm starting to think it was before the basketball conference podcast started, you know, but we'll, we'll figure that out later. Uh, yes. It was 90, 97 was his last year at UNC. So 
Definitely the Clinton oh, this week. Um, yep. Shout out Monica, Monica Lewinsky. Anyways. Oh, um, oh boy. Uh, not to make this political, but here's we'll the take, thing. We'll like, take uh, we'll take things on their knees for. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, we'll end that there. <laughs> oh. oh man, Jeff, this is what you get when you don't show up for our podcast. Yeah. Um, okay, so here's the thing, Mike, is that he has not been the head coach at North Carolina for two decades now, right? And it is especially given what is what has gone you know, what has gone on in those two decades of college football, it feels like it is pretty remarkably irresponsible. If you think that a guy that was successful there before can just show up and be successful there again, it is a different game than it was back then. Is that fair? That is, uh, that's very fair. And when you, and I'm, I'm pulling up Mac Brown's coaching statistics right now as well. This is good podcasting, Joey, but I want mm-hmm. to, uh, I want to shed light on the fact that he was just not very good his last few years at Texas, right? Um, so this is not something, I mean, you're you're asking me the question in the context of, you know, things have changed in Chapel Hill since he was last there. Um, let's talk about, in general, Mac Brown as a coach. Um, things have just changed in general uh, since the 90s. Right? I mean, he had the success at Texas, uh, obviously was good there for a while, um, had multiple double digit win seasons starting in 2001 all the way up to 2009 uh lost a bcs championship in there won one in there with the with the rose bowl win the iconic rose bowl win against uh, in 2005 against usc uh but then you have you know the last few years uh of his texas tenure right five and seven in 2010 eight and five 2011 nine and four in 2012 and eight and five in 2013 That'll probably get the job done at North Carolina. That will not get the job done at Texas, and that's why he was let go, right? They're held to a higher standard at Texas for football than North Carolina. I'm not afraid to say that. So it started to slide beginning in 2010. I just wonder how that's going to carry over now after being in the booth for five years and doing, uh, you know, working for ESPN as an analyst. Like, is he really ready to recruit to a level that needs to be recruited to at North Carolina? North Carolina has been losing a ton of talent out of state they've recruited okay under fedora the last few years but they have lost a lot of talent out of state virginia tech's gone into north carolina they've taken a good bit of the prospects there um so you just wonder you know will north carolina be able to recruit to the level that's necessary and then more importantly will mac brown and his staff be able to coach to the talent that they're recruiting which is i think the bigger question coming off of the last few years of texas i was gonna say if you're if you're looking for the bad news in this you're saying it's been five years since he's been on a, a sideline of a college football team on you know during a game. In his last four years at Texas, he won a combined thirty and twenty-one, which is pretty disappointing. Coming off of again a national title game appearance. The good news is that yeah, there was a national title game appearance, and that was after he had won a national title a few years before. Not to mention that the last six years at North Carolina when he was there in the, in the mid nineties, I mean, it was nine and three, 10 and three, eight and four, seven and five, 10 and two, 10 and one. Right. So he knows what he's doing. Um, I'll add this to the, the bad news piece of this is I know for certain Bill Conley has talked about this among others, but if you ever just go listen to the color commentary that Matt Mac Brown was offering in the booth at ESPN the last few years, it is clear that at this point he is not some master tactician in college football. I don't know that he ever necessarily was, and especially at Texas, his job as the head coach was not really to be an X's and O's guy. It was not really to design plays and design schemes and put together game plans as much. Yep. I mean, he was the CEO. He had to deal with boosters. He had to recruit some players. He had to do a lot of these really higher level things as, as opposed to some more tactical things. So. There's a lot of pluses and minuses here, depending on, I think, what you're expecting from Mac Brown. Um, here's the other good news. The two coordinator hires that he made coming into this year, offensive coordinator hired was Jay, uh, Phil Longo. I am um, I'm losing my mind after 13 team previews. It was Phil Longo. He was the offensive coordinator the last two years at Ole Miss, and before that he was absolutely killing it at the FCS ranks. So by all minds, a really bright defensive mind offensive mind, damn it. Defensive coordinator he hired was Jay Bateman out of Army, who ran really good defenses up at Army, right? So if 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 we're not asking Mac Brown to do the tactical stuff at UNC, and we're saying he's brought in some other people to do that, I mean, it seems like the people he brought in just 
on the absolute surface level were some really good X's and O's minds based on the schemes that they were running at their former stops, right? Let's go to the second layer of this, shall we? Yeah, there's another layer of this. If you want me to walk through it or, or, or if you want to, I, I mean, either way. But you want it? You want to take it? Let's start here. North Carolina's defense last year was not very good, and you are now what we call a clash of styles here in Mm -hmm. the second Mac Brown era. You have Phil Longo, who wants to score in about 15 seconds. Um, Man after my own heart, right? He wants to score in about 15 seconds, and then defensively, a defensive unit that was not very good to begin with now is going to be trying to keep up with a fast-paced offense that might not be all that good, Joey, right? Like, the defense is going to be on the field a lot anyway, but then if you're trying to score a million miles an hour and and run as few plays as possible or as many plays in a short span as possible, like Phil Longo likes to do, I couldn't think of a worse combination than what you have here with Phil Longo and Jay Bateman, which on paper, again, two very good coordinator hires, right? Jay Bateman, Army, very good defense, right? Phil Longo uh, had the success at Ole Miss, success at the FCS level, right? So you bring in two competent coordinators when you look at it when they're not on the same team, right? But then you bring them together and it's just a very difficult ask of an already bad defense and offense that left a lot to be desired anyway, but now you're trying to speed things up at a pace that, man, I'm not sure that's going to be sustainable. At least it's not going to look very good in year one, in my opinion. Yeah, the way that we described it before, Mike, and, and that I'm particularly proud of, I maybe this is a dumb oversimplification, but it's basically, if I go to a sub shop and I'm going to design my own sandwich... I feel like there, there's two types of people. There's the type of person that has a, a very clear, cohesive end concept in mind. So I want buffalo chicken with a little bit of ranch, you know, some Swiss and, and some, yeah, you know, I, I don't know, a couple of veggies on there. Then there's the people that kind of see as they go down the menu, like here are all the things that I like. And you end up with buffalo chicken with jalapenos and I don't know, cucumbers and oil like oil and oregano and like i don't know cheddar and there's just like a like a super weird combo of flavor profiles right and it's like it's stuff that doesn't exactly match up even though individually they're really good and that's where i'm at with this whole system right is that jay bateman was this really great defensive coordinator at army where his defense was on the field maybe nine times a game yeah right the offense is going to try to hold on to the ball you saw the oklahoma game last year they took oklahoma to overtime I think Oklahoma had a grand total of like seven offensive possessions in that game, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like that's what you're doing. And that's, and they're going to do the same thing to Michigan this year, by the way, uh, with oh, Bateman yeah. no longer on the staff, that could be interesting early in the year. Anyway, continue. a hundred percent, but it's, it, it, it's completely in contrast to what you mentioned, Phil Longo, who is going to try to run as many plays as possible and, and the thing is that, like, defensive schemes like what Jay Bateman was running at Army are completely differently effective when you have – when you're trying to minimize plays versus maximize plays, right? Like, right. you've got few possessions. If you create two turnovers, I mean, that totally swings the game. If you create one tackle for a loss, that's a huge impact. Whereas now it's like you got to survive 100 snaps. So it's it becomes a question, right, of, is this a cohesive team strategy? And – these people are clearly smarter than me, so they could probably adapt their schemes to each other. But you got to realize, who's to yeah, say? I mean, schematically, this is this is the an even more extreme version of what Larry Fedora has been running for a number of years there. So, does it work on the field? I don't know. That's what we got to consider. Yep. No, that's totally fair. This um, while while I have this here, Joey, uh, defensively last year, bleh, defensively last year. Sorry, I'm falling apart as well. Uh, scoring defense, 34.5 points per game. That was 13th in the ACC, 106th nationally. Rushing defense, they gave up almost 219 yards per game, 13th in the ACC, 111th nationally. Passing defense, 9th in the ACC, 64th nationally, 228.8 per game. That's not too terrible. But then total defense, 447.6 yards per game, 12th in the ACC, 105th nationally. Defense wasn't good. Mm-mm. And they don't and hasn't been and they don't return. I mean, they return about half of their defense roughly uh, from a year ago. So this is 
going to get worse before it gets better, in my opinion. I think a lot of people are just high on this hire because it's Mac Brown, which is totally fair. He's got the pedigree and the track record, but I don't know. It's hard to be high on this defense anyway. There's going to have to be an adjustment on one side or the other. I mean, these guys are not going to be able to effectively run what they were running at their, their last stops and, and have it work cohesively. They're just not. It's not going to work that way. So let's dig in a little bit here, Mike, now that we've spent 15 minutes talking about the coaches of these, these team. Um, at the quarterback position on offense is just a big old question mark. Just a big, yep. big, giant question mark, Mike. Um, so Nathan Elliott, who was the uh, starting quarterback last year, he transferred to Arkansas State. There is he gone. a lot of speculation. He might not even be playing anymore. He might be just trying to coach, which you do you. You do you, Nathan Elliott. Yeah, grad, grad assistant, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um so that leaves North Carolina with uh, rising sophomore Kate Fortin, rising sophomore Chase Fruiter, and incoming freshman Sam Howell, who flipped at the last minute from Florida State, which was a really interesting, actually, little recruiting wrinkle in the ACC. So Good player, he, apparently. He's pretty capable. Problem is that those three guys combined for a nice 69 pass attempts last year. Nice. 36 completions, 100, or 468 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. So... And that, but I should say they, they did that last season. That was their career numbers combined in the college yep. level. So not a lot to go off of. There's not a lot of indication just yet about which one of these guys is going to get it. I, I would say that in traditionally Phil Longo's offenses, quarterbacks have done pretty well right out the gate. I mean, you saw that from Jordan Ta'amu a couple of years ago at, at Ole Miss. But, I mean, that seems like a pretty huge sticking point right now coming into the season for UNC. I'd probably go with Sam Howell. I mean, I mean why the hell not? You know what? You're you're turning everything. I mean, everything's being turned over with a new leaf, right? Or turning a new leaf, whatever the saying is. Um, you might as well just do that with quarterback too, right? Just bring yeah. it all in together. You got Mac Brown. You got a new offensive coordinator. And Phil Longo, you have a freshman four-star flip from Florida State and Sam Howell. He didn't flip for no reason, Joey. Mm-mm. I'm not sure why he flipped, but he didn't flip for no reason. He, he flipped for some reason. Mac, probably. <laughs> I guess. Big Mac, big Mac guy. And it's a wide open big offense, Mac. right? <laughs> <laughs> big, big Mac guy. Big Mac guy. Loves McDonald's. Um, Gosh. Okay, yeah. so the the one the one certainty North Carolina does have on this roster and the, and the offense specifically is Daz Newsom at receiver. He's pretty exciting. Yeah, he's a baller. That guy, yeah. can, that guy can play. Yeah, so good player. So get him the ball. Uh, they've also got, I mean, they bring back the, the rushing attack from last year, right? I mean, Michael Carter, Antonio Williams, both guys back, the two leading rushers from last year's team. This is not going to be a heavy rushing attack kind of team, but it's nice knowing that the guys that you bring back are, are guys that have done it and have played at this level and can take that kind of physical load and hang on to the ball and everything else. I mean, so there, there's that. Yeah, Carter, you got Antonio Williams, Jordan Brown, Javante Williams. There are backs that are capable. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's helpful. Daz Newsom on the outside, he helps. Uh, he's a weapon in the return game as well. That's Virginia Tech uh, had his brother on the roster, Dion Newsom, uh, who was a safety, a corner, special teams player. Um, Daz was a better player, a higher-rated recruit. And with Dion on the team, they could not land Daz Newsom. And that, in my opinion, is one of the ills of the Chess and Fuente era because Daz Newsom Whoa. has turned out to be very, very good at North Carolina as advertised. So mm-hmm. that would have been nice. Um, they lose Anthony Ratliff-Williams. That's a pretty significant loss on the outside. 689 yards, a couple touchdowns a year ago. You're losing 42 catches out of him. So that's that's a guy they're going to have to try to replace. Uh decent amount of youth on the roster at receiver or it, at the very least guys with not a ton of experience outside of Daz Newsom. Well, it's Newsom, it's tight end Carl Tucker, it's Bo Corrales, it's it's Rontavius Groves. I mean, it's everybody except Anthony Ratliff Williams that comes back. So you got a new quarterback, but at least you got some guys at the receiving core, I guess, that have played and have seen live bullets and know what this looks like in the ACC. Yeah. Yeah, sort of. I mean, the passing offense. the bright side here, Mike. That's fair. The passing offense just, I mean, 
counting wise, right? Like they were 48th nationally in passing offense last year, which is like not bad. I mean, you're in the upper the upper half of of Division One and, and the FBS, but like it left a lot to be desired at times. Um, a lot of turnovers, right? 112 nationally in turnover margin, not good. That's going to have to improve. Not sure how much that's going to improve with a freshman quarterback in in our scenario that we're playing out here with Sam Howell winning the job, which I think a lot of people halfway expect, but I think he'll be the quarterback on the field uh, by the time the season's over at the very least. So you're going to expect some mistakes there, but I think, you know, North Carolina should start by trying to protect the football a little bit better. Um, Another question I have is the offensive line Uh, could be a couple freshmen playing there could be a couple sophomores playing there. You're losing some production there up front. That's probably more significant to me blocking for a freshman quarterback potentially here. I don't know if I could blame the coaching staff for going full youth movement here, though. Nope. I mean, you've, you've gone two years of not making a bowl game in a row. I mean, you're bringing in a guy who has a lot of previous success at this particular job, who honestly is probably going to retire in like three years. You're, you're In a lot of ways, especially in 2019, you're playing with house money. I mean, right. no, nobody's getting fired after this year. So you might as well, yeah, do the youth movement thing, kind of build up your program here. and and play for 2020 and 2021 i think it's a smart gamble because you know that mac brown knows how to win there at least he did 20 years ago and uh he's had success at bigger stops right at texas obviously winning a national title having a perennial top 10 team for basically 10 to 12 years there um and you're going to have a guy who's going to have a short shelf life in regards to being a college head coach i mean look Let's call it what it is, right? Mac Brown is 67, right? Mm-hmm. Grand scheme of things, not like too terribly old, but it's old for coaching, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't see a lot of guys coaching in their 70s, right? So um, I, I think, like you said, more likely than not that he retires in a few years. And if so, um, the assumption is that he's recruited well. He's left North Carolina in a better spot than when he took the job from Larry Fedora when they essentially won like six games in two seasons. And uh, you can attract a you know, a young up and coming coordinator, maybe um, somebody who can kind of take North Carolina to the next level, similar to what Larry Fedora did uh, when he took the job a handful of years ago. I Yeah, I think that's, that's got to be the thought. And I think to some degree, too, what we're seeing here is this is kind of a um, following a trend that we've seen lately that's probably kind of piggybacking off the Clemson Dabo model that yep. we've talked on here. And, and I, I mean, not that much disrespect when I say that I don't think that Dabo is some X's and O's ninja, right? Like schematically, he is not going to blow anybody away. He's not going to design some revolutionary scheme, but clearly him as a head coach is is extremely successful. And what we're calling the CEO model, right, is go go bring in a charismatic head coach who can recruit a whole bunch and, and can played it with the boosters nicely and, and all this stuff, but is ultimately going to have to hire a couple of pretty schematically brilliant coordinators to then put together a fully cohesive, effective team. And I think that's probably what UNC is going for here. So depending on what we're expecting from each of the individuals on the coaching staff, I mean, I, I see what the thinking is here, even with Mac Brown, who hasn't been on a sideline in five years, right? Like that makes, it makes sense. It's the, it's the air, and, and you know, a lot of people made fun of this hire a year ago for a lot of the same reasons. It's like, well, he's been in the booth. He hasn't made uh, a lot of awe-inspiring comments about X's and O's, etc. Um, a lot of people were making fun of that Herm Edwards hire at Arizona State, and it didn't seem so bad when they went to a bowl game last year, did it? <laughs> um, this is uh, something that a lot of people made fun of. But it's a model that worked at least in year one. Like you mentioned, the extreme example is Clemson, right? Where, you know, Dabo's the CEO and, um, you know, it's worked well. And I think North Carolina looks at it as a recipe that, that could work. And especially in the Herm Edwards case, because he's in his uh, early 60s. But anyway, he's a guy who could uh, who could make that work at Arizona State. Who's to say it won't work with Mac Brown in North Carolina in part two? I would normally pass up this comment because we're pretty much completely off the rails at this point anyways. What the hell? The biggest problem with the Herm Edwards thing was completely the marketing of it. Yes. Right? The, the way yeah. that the athletic department acted like they were coming up, with, coming up with something completely like novel and unique and all this, and everyone's looking at it like, 
No, you're, you're pretty much doing what like Clemson and a bunch of other programs are already doing. So yeah. the yep. quote new leadership model. Yeah. It's not so new anymore. It's, it's just a copycat. It's fine. I agree. I agree. And I, I guess the, the one other thing I will say is like with Herm Edwards, I, I said he wasn't really an X and O's, X's and O's guy and et cetera. I mean, he, he did have some solid analysis around the NFL for ESPN. One of the few that was, that was giving strong, like semi strong analysis and the position that he was in it on basically on sports center. <laughs> um, and uh, so it's not quite as bad as, as some of the comments Mac Brown was making in the booth, but uh, anyway, it's worked out fine there. It could work out here. Former NFL player, former NFL head coach for a while. Yeah. I mean, pedigrees there. Yeah, there, there's credibility for sure. And again, Mac has a national title. Mac has a lot of credibility as, a, as an NCAA football head coach. Probably just, none of it's happened in this decade. Exactly. Just not in a while. That's it. So, don't want to sell him short. Doesn't inherently mean it's not going to work. Just it. Just it's been a minute. That's it. All right, Mike. Defense. Now that we're now that we're back on track. Oh, good. Yeah, defense. Continuing continuing to talk about the uh, calico cat of a coaching staff we got here. Um, that's that's an elementary school <laughs> book reference there. I I don't even know if I used it right. I don't whatever. <laughs> oh man, this is good practice for the regular season coming up just around the corner when we're going to be recording just you and I a whole lot, and I can't wait for it. We have gotten through 13 and a half team previews by now, and I'm struggling to get words right in my head. It's, Anyways, it's, okay. it's okay. Our resident Calico cat has us covered here. <laughs> Come here, Calvin. Yeah. Um, anyways, <laughs> defensively, Mike, UNC has not been particularly good for multiple years. And what we've talked about, honestly, is Larry Fedora, under Larry Fedora, the defense completely fell apart at UNC. After Gene Chizik left. Yes. And it wasn't good before Gene Chizik got there. Correct. There was like a two-year span there that he was their defensive coordinator that all of a sudden UNC was like actually kind of a dangerous, functional, cohesive program. Before and after that, it, it wasn't. And again, Jay Bateman and his schemes, maybe it works. It certainly worked at Army, but that was part of a totally different team strategy that I don't know if Phil Longo fits in his, his offense. So the, the big question here becomes, do you take a, a defensive unit with some talent and some players and such that were already not effective? How do you make them more effective by making the offense a further extreme version of what it already was? It's a fair question. Um, I think they'll be good eventually. Just like I think Miami's quarterback situation will be good eventually, right? Like, Jay Bateman has obviously got the pedigree. He's gotten the job done at schools with, let's call it what it is, lesser talent, right? Um, I'd like the potential of the North Carolina defense because they do have some players. Uh, Jason Jason Strobridge up front, Tamon Fox, a defensive end. Miles Dorn in the secondary, like there are good players on this defense, right? Um, as a unit, they have not played great. They were not very good last year. Um, they need to improve, right? But with that being said, there are some good, solid ACC players on this roster, guys who, who will be considered uh, to be all ACC players by the time the year's out. And if North Carolina's defense functions at a higher level than it has, and they can avoid the injury bug, it's safe to assume that you know, North Carolina can make it a step forward, even if they don't make bowl eligibility this year. But I think it's safe to assume the defense will be good eventually. I think it could be ugly early. Um, you know, we'll talk about the schedule in a few minutes, but like your first three games are South Carolina, Miami, and at Wake Forest. I mean, those are three competent offenses right off the bat. Um, you know, teams with playmakers, and that's going to be difficult when you're making a scheme change and there's a lot of uncertainty on the offensive side of the ball. Um, it's a pretty tough ask there in the first handful of games, but I think the defense will be good eventually. And um, there are some players there, but it's just going to be a question of how this whole thing comes together here in year one. I'm just, I don't know if I'm convinced, Mike. I feel like any, any team and, and you look back at the Larry Fedora years and then you look at, now, this initial coaching staff, again, with the offensive scheme that they're going for, it seems like North Carolina's entire football identity is 
trying to be score as many points as possible and, and play as much offense as possible by any means necessary, which at the end of the day results in kind of neglecting the de- defensive side of the ball, right? Like they haven't been good. Now they come back and they're missing their top three tacklers, Cole Holcomb, J.K. Britt, Malik Carney. You're also missing guys like Tyler Powell, Jeremiah Clark. I mean, the guys that were, were as successful as anybody on your defense last year at this point are largely gone. Right. I don't – again, maybe you just go full youth movement, freshman, sophomores for the most part and try to play for 2020, 2021. But, like, I don't, I don't feel like this defense coming in from a, a talent and experience perspective is in good position to be a, a unit that opponents really should fear. If that no, makes sense. I no, mean, no, definitely. I mean, they, I don't think they'll be feared. Um, I just think there's potential for it to be okay and just kind of be held together. I mean, a decent pass rush, right? Like, you got Tamon Fox, Dominique Ross, a senior inside linebacker coming back. Like, that helps, right? You have two very good safeties, Miles Dorn and Miles Wolfolk. The, the Wow, two, two miles in the secondary. That's wild. Um, sup. Sup. Uh, so you have one of the better safety situations in, in the ACC right with, with those two guys so there's that um now all that goes to hell if you don't have a good pass rush which is the real question here right like how competent is that going to be against some of the passing teams are going to have to face here uh in conference play and that that's that's the real question and the passing defense was fine last year the rushing defense was the issue i mean they know they need to improve their rushing defense in order to do anything in the ACC this year, uh, especially with some of the teams they're facing here on the schedule. Yeah, and that's a problem because their rushing defense historically has been woof. I don't know if I can put this nicely. Like, oh boy. It's just it's not good. It's bad. Put it gently, uh, Joey. Put it gently. I yeah. Woof is probably right. That's probably the best I got. Let's go with that. I okay so. You want to talk about the schedule? You got anything else on the defense? Uh, flip a coin and we'll see what happens week to week. That's, I think, the yeah. best you can hope for. And I think that's even a optimistic view of it. I mean, it just wasn't a very good defense last year. It's a scheme change. It's an offense that clashes styles with, with the defense that you want to play. It's just – it's a really tough schedule, Joey. It's a brutal schedule. Uh, so it's let's just get great. into that. Not great. It's not great. Uh, first game, first weekend – South Carolina, they're pretty good. In Charlotte, anyway. I mean, yeah, South Carolina not not threatening to win a national title or anything, but like pretty damn good. Good. That's team. in Charlotte, so neutral side game. Then you got Miami at home. That's going to be tough. Week two under a new coach. Then you go to Wake Forest on a don't love uh, that Thursday. Yeah, um, that's a rivalry game and a Wake Forest team. It's a lot more more cohesive and they're better. You know all in one piece right now. Then you get Appalachian state at home, which also damn well might beat you. Yep. Um, I, what are the odds, Mike? Then you get Clemson, by the way. Oh, good. What are the odds that UNC is coming out of September? Oh, and five against South Carolina, Miami, Wake Forest, Appalachian state and Clemson with only Wake Forest as a true road game. Now I think, I think North Carolina is hoping, first of all, the, the odds are relatively high on that in my opinion, but I think the hope for North Carolina fans is like, okay, uh, we can beat wake at wake and app state is under a new head coach. Eli Drinkwitz, right? So let's find a way to beat them. But <laughs> app state is still more cohesive with the new coaching staff and what they've inherited talent wise there. The cupboard was not left bare by Scott Satterfield. That's for sure. Um, there's, there's talent on that roster. So, Oh, and five, certainly not out of the question. Um, more than likely like a one in four stretch. Like you try to find a way to split wake and app state. I think that's the, <laughs> I, I don't want to say best case, best case scenario is probably two and three, but I just don't see it. That's probably the right way of putting it. Best case scenario, two and three there. Um, one thing I got to keep in mind is that, yeah, app state has a new head coach, but UNC has a new head coach because they fired the old one because he wasn't very good. App State has a new head coach because he got hired away because that's such a functional, successful program over the last five years, right? Like, yep. Uh, Still talented. Miami has a new head coach. Uh, keep that in mind. Yeah. <laughs> There's that. Yeah. 
Um, Miami's got yeah, facts only. Miami's got a new head coach. App State's got a new head coach. Georgia Tech's got a new head coach. Yeah. So, and that's where that ends. Looking at this, I don't know anything about Mercer. I'm not gonna pretend like I do. You don't know about the Bears, Mike? That's one of the few wins on the schedule. <laughs> and it that, that's the good news is that's a win, in my opinion, on paper. The bad news is that's November 23rd. So, so here's here's the other thing, Mike, is that if I look at the S and P Plus ratings and, and projections, right? The, the Mercer game, FCS team, obviously the highest percentage chance of winning on the schedule. Second highest on the schedule at Georgia Tech in the beginning of October. That is a like game number six in a row with a bye week coming up. So there's been no extra rest. B, that's again mid season against a Georgia Tech team that might start pulling it together by then. We don't really know. Um, as we heard from Kelly Quinlan, I mean it's it might not be as bad as a lot of people think. And C it's on the road yep. it's in Atlanta. Like that that's your second best chance of winning is in a road game at 59% according to S&P. So I, in a lot of ways, I'm just going to say like this schedule does not set up particularly conducively to even threatening to make a bowl game. Like I, I don't like this at all for North Carolina. I have a new game, Joey, and maybe a new segment idea. Oh dear. Um, October 5th against Georgia tech. Is that the, uh, cover your eyes game of the week? <laughs> Um, what's the, like, it might be more like the watch with, uh, um, what am I thinking of here? Like morbid intrigue game of the week. Like, oh God, <laughs> there, I, I think it would be absolutely fascinating, right? Like you've got two programs, a few games into new regimes and, if you really want to get a good idea of what they look like when they're not completely outmatched by each other, but also it's probably not going to be like a super clean, pretty football game. Like, yeah, you could saddle up for that one. Like you, you can watch that. The only way that this would be better is if it had the option. Oh yeah. Oh we hell had, yeah. We had, the, we had the option clashing with a Jay Bateman defense. And then when Georgia Tech's on defense, we had a Phil Longo offense with, not a ton of competent players on it um, to run the scheme that he wants to run. And that's not a shot, I promise. But it's just scheme you change. Like Bateman, you feel like Jay Bateman would feel like he's in the twilight zone playing in a game featuring a super up-tempo, pass-happy offense and the option, and he's caught right in the middle of both of them? Yeah. Stuck in, <laughs> stuck, stuck in the middle with dudes. That's right. Dilly dilly. <laughs> Give me some Steve Adazio. Um, yeah, he's going to be in the Twilight Zone. That that would be a Twilight Zone endeavor for Jay Bateman. It's going to be that way anyway without that. Goodness. Uh, at Virginia Tech after a bye week, Duke, uh, Virginia, Pittsburgh on a Friday night. And on the road, by the way. Uh, Mercer, NC State on the road. Uh, I'm going 4 and 8, maybe. 4 and 8 is maybe a little generous. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I don't love this for UNC. That's generous. That's generous. Um, I'm gonna go with two and ten. Woo. I think they're the worst. I think yeah, spicy. I think they are the worst team in the coastal. I think they'll be the worst team in the ACC. I think they will be worse than Louisville on the other side. Um, I think they are the worst team in the ACC, and that's not an indictment of Mac Brown. It's just what's on the roster. I I don't think it'll be. Mac Brown's fault necessarily. I just think they're not they're not ready. And maybe maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe Sam Howell comes out as a true freshman, a four star quarterback comes out and he ends up being one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC. I mean, if that's the case, then we're talking about four, five, six win North Carolina. If Mac Brown gets his team to bowl eligibility with how the roster is constructed, and like I said, there's some talent on defense, but the defense just wasn't very good last year, right? And mm-hmm. they're only returning like half of it. Um offensively huge unknown at quarterback you do return the running game but there's questions on the offensive line there's questions at receiver I mean I get that uh you got some guys returning but you lose one of your best receivers uh and Anthony Anthony Ratliff Williams he's gone um they're like one injury shy of like being a winless team in conference play like it could be that 
that bad, in my opinion. And they've been one and seven just, the last two years. Yeah, and part of it too is like, and they had a bunch of injuries, by the way, right? Like two years ago, it was unbelievable. They were on like your fifth quarterback. It was outrageous. Um, it's and, and it's partially like the roster, you know, the roster plus new scheme on both sides of the ball, plus a brutal schedule, like a bad year to draw South Carolina out of conference, not a great year to play app state. Um, Wake Forest is now the conference game, by the way, we should bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. Almost forgot that part. Yeah. Wake's (laughs) Wake's a non-conference game. We brought it up in the Wake Forest podcast. Um, That's a non-con game because of scheduling court hashtag scheduling quirks. Hashtag reasons. Yes. Uh, That's a non-conference game. And it's probably good news for North Carolina, or else that would be 0-1 in the ACC, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, 0-2. That's after the Miami game. Oh, shit. Sorry. Yeah, (laughs) that that would be be 0-2. Miami's hardly an ACC team. They're not very good. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out Cam Underwood. (laughs) Yeah. What's up, Cam? What's up, Cam? Good evening. Happy Tuesday. Um, so I'm uh, I guess I'm I'm going I'm going two and ten, but I guess I now on paper, now that I look at it, I'm I'm going winless in the ACC because I'm saying they're gonna beat Mercer and they're going to beat either App State or Wake Forest, and both of those are out of conference games. So 0 and eight in conference play, two and ten in uh overall, and uh that's probably on the low end, admittedly. I, I think it's Three and nine, four and eight is probably more likely, but two and ten. I'm, I'm. This is my team that I'm. I think has just unrealistic expectations. A lot of people are picking them to be better than they probably are deserve to deserve to be. If Sam Howell's good, maybe it all changes. But I'm going with two and ten, and then, well, I don't know. It could be ugly. I was going to say I'm kind of the, I'm kind of rethinking my four and eight prediction now, realizing that the out of conference is South Carolina and a neutral site. Wake Forest on the road, App State, and then Mercer. Like, I think you're probably you probably hope to get two of those. And I think what you said is Mercer, and then split App State and Wake Forest on the road. Right, and but then you gotta. Then it's like you gotta have an upset somewhere, right? Like, okay, maybe you're favored against Georgia Tech. That's that's a maybe, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, that's on the road. Um, Duke is a rivalry game in late October. Maybe you steal that. There's a lot of question marks for Duke, right? Mm-hmm. I think UVA is going to be pretty good mm-hmm. at, at Pitt kind of toss up like Pitt might not be very good. I, I don't think they will be anyway. Um, so, I mean, there are a couple of games that you might be able to steal, but man, I am not very high on, on the Tar Heels this year. I, I kind of feel like they get four of their five quote, most competitive closest to a toss up games on the road here. Don't love that. At Wake Forest, at Georgia Tech, home against Duke, at Pittsburgh, at NC State. Mm, yeah, don't love it. I mean, you'd love to have like three of those at home. You get one of them at home. So that's not not ideal. Uh, oh, let's let's have a little bit of faith. I'm gonna I'm gonna think that they overperform a little bit. They you know, weird scheme changes. I don't know, maybe it works on a couple of these teams. I'm gonna go I'm gonna stick with four and eight, Mike, but here's the good news. Okay. Here's What's the good news? Vegas win total? Four and a half. Wow. Under, that seems high. Under? Yeah. Plus 120. Why? I, Why? Because Mac? I I mean, what, Mac, what are the five games? Effect. What are the five games you feel real good about North Carolina winning? Right? Like over Dude, is I, it over over four and a half is at minus one forty. That is terrible juice. I guess they're thinking. First of all, I here's here's my here's my thinking with Vegas. I think a lot of people are underestimating Wake Forest. Probably, uh, yeah. I'm I'm a lot higher on Wake Forest, and I think I mean you you're high. I know you like Wake too. Mm-hmm. I, I think both of us are a little bit higher on Wake Forest than the general college football viewing public. I don't think they realize how good they are. Um. So I I think they're thinking Wake Forest. App State because they're like, oh, App State used to be in the F- FCS once. Like, new, there's no new way coach. North Carolina could lose that game. Yeah, <laughs> new coach and oh, they beat Michigan like twelve years ago or whatever. So, I mean, anyway, Wake Forest, App State, uh, Georgia Tech scheme change, new coaching staff. Virginia Tech wasn't very good last year. Uh, Duke's losing Daniel Jones. 
Pittsburgh's losing their entire offense via their two rushers in Allison and Hall and Mercer is an FCS school. So that's how they're thinking, okay, they can get over four and a half. I don't see that, though, at all. I don't. Once again, if I'm going off of S&P Plus win probabilities, if I look at the top five games that they have the best probability to win, and by the way, only three of these are they actually favored in at all. It's Mercer at home. Sure. Duke at home. Okay. Georgia Tech on the road. Okay. Wake Forest on the road. Okay. Virginia at home. Probably not. At Pittsburgh. So basically what you're saying is those last three games, they got to go two and one. At Wake Forest, home against Virginia, at Pittsburgh. And they have to beat Georgia Tech, Duke, and Mercer to go over four and a half. Yep, don't see it. If you can get minus 120 or plus 120, excuse me, even minus 120 maybe. If you can get plus 120 on under four and a half with North Carolina, you might just want to take that. Yeah, and full disclosure, I mean, we were a little, I mean, admittedly, a little hard on on the Mac Brown hire at the opening of this podcast, right? But you and I both agree, like, obviously he's got a track record. He's a very good coach. He's had success in North Carolina. Our whole thing is, like, he hasn't had success recently. I think that's a big reason why I'm doubtful. Um, I think it'll work for what they need him for, right, the next few years. Like, I think he'll get the program. He'll recruit well. He'll get the program back on the right track. He's put players in the NFL. That stuff matters to recruits, the top-end ones anyway, that North Carolina is trying to pursue to get the program back on track. Like, he'll serve a good function when he's there over the next handful of years. But when I look at this schedule and I look at the talent on the roster, I don't see it in year one. And that's why I'm low on North Carolina. Just objectively, I don't see it. Subjectively, really like Mac Brown. Really like Phil Longo. I really like what Jay Bateman did at Army. I, I like the coaching staff a lot. I think that Mac hired really good assistants. I think they're going to recruit well. I think that this is trending upward, but it could get ugly before it gets better. That's how I feel about it. I'm pretty much with you. Yeah, I mean, big, big things here. The last time Mac Brown won 10 games was my freshman year in college. He had a number of years coaching after that at, at school where they had a talent advantage over basically everybody they played all the time. Yep. He hasn't coached in five years. He's taken over a program that's gone three and nine like two years in a row that has barely beaten a conference opponent in those two years, other than Pittsburgh. Shout out Pat Narduzzi. And he, he's got a, a bit of a mismatch of coordinators that are individually brilliant, but we have some serious questions about how well they, they, they mesh, right? Right. So if, you, if, if you're looking for me to argue why I think they might not win more than four games, that's it. Yep. I, I'm not really talking to what this program is going to be in 2020, 2021. I mean, I think they could be fairly good. It was a, you know, an interesting, unique, intriguing kind of hire in terms of not only head coach, but also coaching staff. So it could get there in fairly short order, but yeah, for the, the sake of 2019, I don't, I, I don't got a lot of faith in it. I don't nope. got a lot of faith in it. So I, I tend to endorse that under four and a half number. Yep. Not an indictment of Mac, just situational. So 100%. let's be clear with that. Let's be clear with that. 100%. Mike, I think that's all I got on UNC. I think we're good. All right. Big thanks to Jeff Greenberg for his contributions to this episode. Um, just kidding. I love you, Jeff. Hope you're having a fun vacation. Uh, we will definitely have you on sometime soon. You're the man. Uh, yeah. Mike, this concludes our team previews. We're Holy done. crap. That's it. We're done. We did. Good job, mate. Good job. We made it. We made it. We're we're done before mid-August. We are done before mid-August. Keep in mind, when this episode is posted, um, I am going to be in Pittsburgh on my annual baseball trip. Shout shout out to the boys. um, Drinking all the beer in Pittsburgh, eating all the sausages and pierogies and whatever the hell else is in Pittsburgh. I've never been. So if you got your recommendations, shout out. Hit me on Twitter. I'm at FGRS Joey. But we got to come back. We've got one more big preview to do. Special guest. Yeah, oh, we got a special guest coming, an extra special guest. Um, so keep it tuned here. We've got a, a, a conference preview coming to actually make the math all reconciled and such. At, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe. But at the very least, we're going to preview the whole thing. Uh, we've got some 
I think some interesting perspectives that we're going to take in that. It's not just pure who's going to win each division and such. We've been fairly clear on who we think is going to do that. But I think some if you want to look for some big macro things to consider during the conference season, we're going to talk about that in the conference preview. So, so keep it tuned here for that. And then, Mike, there's only one thing left to do after that. Week zero, baby. we got to preview some games, baby. We got we got games coming up, so uh, keep it tuned here. We are almost there. Um, we really appreciate you guys sticking with us here over the past month and a half or so as we've done all these team previews. Um, but we are done. It is time to talk about actual football. So uh, we will come back and do that. Uh, Mike, I think that's all I got. Anything else before we uh, do the uh, little outro here? Let's do the outro. Let's do Let's it. Let's do the outro. All right. We're going to come back, preview the whole conference and everything else. But in the meantime, you guys can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel CFB. Together, we're at BC Podcast ACC. And once again, you you can and you should go find Jeff Greenberg on Twitter, at Jeff Gberg. Um, he was the man tweeting stuff from the ACC kickoff for us. So once again, big thanks to him. Uh, Mike, we are on the Anchor platform. So you can go find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Stitcher, Spotify, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. They can send us emails with questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. And you want to tell them where they can find us on social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketballconference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there, Joey. Hell yeah. Do that. Do that. Highly recommended. Uh, Mike, anything else before we get out of here? We're good, man. On to the conference-wide preview slash week zero discussion about the Miami Hurricanes probably going to get their asses kicked by the Florida Gators. Hold on to that audio. Shout out Florida minus seven. Yes. And by the way, Jaron Williams apparently QB1 for the Miami Hurricanes now. Yeah. Yeah. Naturally, that drops like, I don't know, like less than. 12 hours after we finished recording with cam as literally less than 12 hours. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome timing there. Thanks, Manny. Cool. So good luck with that. All right. Um, yeah. Come back next week. We will have the, uh, conference preview for you. Yep. And that'll be pretty dope. Mike time to go. We'll talk soon out, man. Okay. Bye. All right. For that guy, Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. We're ready for some ACC football. And until next time, go ACC. Yeah!